we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, and I just want to just deal with uh, some of the things. Um, he's, I suppose for a long, long time, the Holy Spirit wasn't even acknowledged as being present, if, if you like, or a, a valuable input in the church um, until maybe in the, in, the, in the early 50s where there was a sort of a revival of uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, maybe in the first part of the century, and then it grew into the charismatic movement and stuff, and then people started looking at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we want to talk about the Holy Spirit today, and of course this is part of our series on becoming a disciple. You really can't disciple people unless you work with the Holy Spirit to achieve that because everything else doesn't achieve anything. It only achieves it when you've got working with the Holy Spirit. So a disciple is a person who is a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and then is helping somebody else have that relationship with God through the Holy Spirit as well. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit is a person. Everybody say that. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. He's part of the Godhead. So there is three in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The three are one, and the one are three. And if you, can't, if you can get your head around that, you're better than me. But I can't get my head around that completely. I can understand it sort of. And I know that the Bible clearly teaches that, that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. And he's been there all the time. And that Father God is God. So we know that the Bible talks about the three being God. And when God made man in his image, he said, let us make man in our image in Genesis. And so he was actually talking to the Holy Spirit and he was talking to Jesus. And he was speaking about his desire in the Godhead to make man. And that's where we came from. So the Holy Spirit is not power. So if you uh, listen to a Jehovah's Witness or a Jehovah's Witness comes to talk to you um, and you start talking about the Holy Spirit, they're going to tell you that the Holy Spirit is not a person, that the Holy Spirit is just power. Like light, like energy, like electricity coming out of a PowerPoint. They don't like talking about him as a person. They don't like talking about Jesus as being God either. Jehovah's Witnesses don't agree that Jesus is God. They think that Jesus is a God, like you and I, a gods, you know. And they don't like they don't like hell either. They don't think hell is a nice place. They can't conceive of a God of love would create such a place as hell. And they think that if uh, a God of love created a thing as, such as hell, then they, you know they wouldn't want to have anything to do with that sort of God because he wouldn't be a God of love. And they fail to recognise that God is holy, and because he is so holy. He must have a hell. And because he is so loving, he must have Jesus, the Son of God, to come and take the sins of the world. So there's quite a consistent idea that they are... So you dismiss hell because you dismiss the, God, the holiness of God. Then you don't need Jesus anymore to save us from our sins. So you don't need heaven anymore. So you just and you get rid of hell. You just pop into non-existence. That's the worst you can get as a Jehovah's Witness. Pop into non-existence. All you have to do is walk around to see... If you can get other people to become Jehovah's Witnesses, and then maybe you'll get a place on paradise on earth. They'll come past your door, they'll knock on your door, and if you start to talk to them about God or start to talk to them about the Holy Spirit or Jesus, they won't want to listen to that because it's not part of their paradigm. So the Holy Spirit is not power. He gives power. The Holy Spirit is the gift. Say, the gift. The gift. The gift. The person promised 
by Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to you. He's the person, the giver of gifts. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come and he is the giver of gifts. He is the gift that gives gifts. He is the person that is a gift to the church and he gives gifts. He is not a gift. He is not tongues. He is not an it. Okay? So did you receive the Holy Spirit? What? Did you receive it? What? Did you speak in tongues? You see the confusion. Tongues is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person that gives you the gift of tongues. Tongues is not the Holy Spirit. Tongues is the gift that is given by the Holy Spirit, as is prophecy, as in discernment of spirits, as is gifts of faith, and so forth. So, Do you understand the difference? There's great confusion in people's minds because this is not clearly understood. They think that speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit in some way, shape, or form. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives you. It is not him. He is not tongues. The Holy Spirit is a person and the Bible teaches that he has intellect, he has emotion, and he has will. And he has a character and he works. The Holy Spirit is a person and I'm asking you today, do you hear him? Do, are you persuaded by him? And do you obey him on a daily basis? He's there for you. He has intelligence. The Bible tells us he has intelligence. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So every time you pick up the Bible, every time you try to learn, every time you get something that comes to your mind that sort of illuminates the Word of God, every time that happens, it is the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit who is teaching you. You say, Father God, I thank you for that revelation. It's come to me through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given you that understanding. You wouldn't, if the Holy Spirit wasn't here with you, you wouldn't understand a thing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get anything. It would just be flatlining for you. You'd be dead because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings it to you. He reminds you of everything that I've said to you, Jesus said. He, I'm going away. I won't be there so much, but the Holy Spirit, he's coming and he's going to remind you of everything that I've said to you. In John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he's true, he's the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify of me. Every time that you think about Jesus and ideas about Jesus have, have, have come into your mind and you thought, how, how great is Jesus? Every time you thought that Jesus is lovely, every time you thought that Jesus is wonderful, every time you said, thank you, Jesus, for your grace, every time you said, you are so good to us, Jesus, every time you did this, that was the Holy Spirit who gave you the ability to do that because he testified of the goodness of Jesus to you. He doesn't say much about himself, but he says a lot about Jesus and he says a lot about the Father. He speaks to you continuously. All the time he's speaking to you, speaking into your mind, speaking into your heart, reminding you of things. He's so present with you, you sometimes think he's just your mind. But he's not. He's there present with you. He has emotions and we're told quite... Clearly in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you have were sealed for the day of redemption. So, you know, if he's, not a, if he's just electricity, I haven't seen electricity be grieved. Have you seen, have you, can you grieve electricity? 
Can electricity teach you anything? Yeah, just don't touch it. That's all. But it can't teach you any. He's a person. He teaches. Electricity is, is there, but it can't teach you anything. And you can't grieve electricity. I mean, you're going to hurt your feelings now. I'm going to switch you off. And the, and the power goes, oh, I'm set. That, no, only a person can be grieved. Only a person get, can get upset. And the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You say, you know, when you do something wrong, you feel sad in the, inside afterwards. You do feel like, you know, I've let, you know, you get that. How, how many people are, are aware of the sadness in their heart after something goes wrong in their life? They've done something wrong. There's a deep sadness inside. You know what? That's not even your sadness. How close is God's spirit to you? He lets you feel his emotion. He lets you feel the grief that he's... You feel it. You did something wrong and then he feel a grieving inside. That's not your grieving. You couldn't care less. If you were really grieving, you wouldn't do it to start off with. The grieving that you get now is the Holy Spirit inside you saying, you know what? I'm upset about what you just did. And I'm letting you feel that I'm upset about that. So that's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear him? Do you speak to him? Are you aware of him? Are you obeying him? In Isaiah 53 verse 10 it says, And yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy and himself fought against them. Man, he's so connected. He's with God. He is God. And when you grieve him, you stir up the whole Godhead against you. James tells us that he gives greater grace that if you, he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. When God resists the proud, the word is that he sets his army against you. So when you grieve the Holy Spirit and you stubbornly say, refuse to do what the... God starts saying, you know what? I'm getting really itchy now. I'm upset with you. And because he loves us so much, he, he, usually, he usually gets the stick and says, let me fix you. I love you so much I'm going to bring some discipline to your royal highness. So you'll, you'll understand that I love you. And that's what God does. He actually cares so much about it, he'll discipline us. Why? Because he's going to go against the thing that's trying to take you away, that's trying to take you out. He has a will. The Bible says he has a will. That means he chooses. He can choose certain things. The Holy Spirit says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, all these are the work of the one same Spirit. And he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are evidenced there. And he says, he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he determines. He determines who's going to get what, who's going to do what. The Holy Spirit is in the church. He's not just in you, he's in the church. And this morning, you know, he, he might have been prompting you. He, there may have been something prompting in your heart to, to give a prayer or to give a word of prophecy or to give a, 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 you know, a tongues and interpretation. And you, you might have said, you know, not today, I'm not going to do that. You might have felt a, 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 a nudge on the inside to pray. I felt a nudge to pray, so I started to pray. I thought, well, where's that nudge coming from? It's the Holy Spirit saying, you know, let's do this, Mark. Let's, let's pray. So you might have felt something today. You might have in here, but you are you listening to him? Are you hearing him? Are you persuaded by him? Are you obeying him? He guided the early church. You know, they all got together. There was about 120 in the room, I suppose, to start off, and they were worshiping the Lord, fasting, and oh, there was probably a big church at this time at Acts 13. 
fasting and the Holy Spirit said to them. So there was a prophetic utterance. So when the Holy Spirit, when it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them, somebody got a prophecy. Somebody in the congregation got words coming into their mind that said something like this. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. So they would have been sitting there having a church service and as they were praying and as they were fasting, somebody would have got a nudge on the inside and it would have been like, say these words. And the words would have all been there. And it would have been set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work they have them do. So people said, where did that come from? And they immediately said, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us and the Holy Spirit wants us to do something. So he's guiding the church. We know he's guiding the church because he's, the church is his domain. And so they set aside Paul and Barnabas to do missionary work. They set them up and they say, Paul and Barnabas, God has called you to do missionary work. So we're going to put you over here and we're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to pray for you and we're going to send you out to do the work that God's calling you to do. Because the Holy Spirit was guiding them. And when they were out doing the work, the Holy Spirit was with the church where they came from, and it was also with the church and, and Paul and Barnabas where they were. And it says that Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, being kept by the Holy Spirit, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So Paul wanted to go to Asia, start to preach, and the Holy Spirit said, Nah, you're not going there. So he's actually saying, Listen, follow my direction. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you. So he's very, very active in the church. You know, this is kind of the spurious side, this weird side. You know, you've got your program and then you've got the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? You've got the things that you decide to do and then you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got things that you'll plan and you've got the Holy Spirit. And you might plan some stuff and that may be okay because the Holy Spirit's involved in the planning. But you may plan some stuff and then something happens and the Holy Spirit says, we're going to make a shift in this. We're going to change something here. We're going to do something different today. And he can do that if he chooses to. Why? Because this is his church. He can do whatever he wants in his church, can't he? And you want to take the Holy Spirit out of the church and what do you get? Ritual. Dead ritual. These are the things you do. You do them the same every week. Come back again next week and do them the same. Maybe you might get to heaven if you keep the ritual going. Now, Jesus doesn't want ritual. He wants you to experience the presence of God's Holy Spirit, to hear him, to look for him, to be persuaded by him, and to be led by him. He wants to guide the church. And the Bible tells us that John and, and, and Jesus tells us in John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15, I have much more to say to you, more than you are able to bear. So Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he says, I've got so much I want to pour out into your lives. I've got so much I want to tell you about. He said, but I can't, I can't, you're not able to bear it all now. It's like you get a two-year-old and say, you know, all I'm teaching you the ABC, but I want you to read a thesaurus. I've got so much to tell you about the English language, but you're only two. You can't get it just yet. You're learning your ABC. I can't tell you about the thesaurus and all the words that are coming with the ABC. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is coming and he'll tell you those things. He'll let you know what's coming. He'll be here and he'll take you into the thesaurus and he'll show you all the wonderful words you can use with the ABC. This is what Jesus was saying. He says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will get, receive what he will make known to you. Now, I want you, to, you know, when Jesus was here, Jesus should say these words, didn't he? He'd hang around and he says, the, the words that I'm saying to you are not my words. They're the words of the Father. The things that I do are not the things that I do. They're the things I've seen the Father do. I see, he says, I do nothing of my own initiative. He says, I am not here, says Jesus, fronting around, doing the stuff that I'm doing because that's what I want to do. He says, I only ever do what the Father tells me to do. And we know that the Holy Spirit would communicate to Jesus exactly what the Father wanted him to do, and Jesus would faithfully do exactly what the Holy Spirit was telling him to do. The Holy Spirit came upon him and led him, and the Holy Spirit guided him, and the Holy Spirit told him and spoke to him about what to do. That's what he did. Now we have the Holy Spirit saying exactly, the, Jesus saying exactly the same thing. The Holy Spirit said, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to say, but he's not going to tell you out of his own. It's not like he's the one who's going to tell you. I'll tell the Holy Spirit and he'll tell you what I'm saying to you. The Father will speak to the Holy Spirit and the Father will tell the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to know. So it's everybody submitted to one another in the Godhead. Do you like that? Yeah. I think that's amazing. You know, the Father honors the Son and honors the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit honors the Son and he honors the Father. Jesus honors the Father and the Holy Spirit. Everybody is looking out for the other in the Godhead. Here you have in infinity, you have the Godhead saying, you know what, we're submitting to one another. Oh, that we would be a bit more like Jesus, hey? That we would learn to work in that way with one another, Amen. That we learn to submit to one another, not be so busy about ourselves, but thinking about what God wants us to think about and do what God wants us to do. Amen? He says, the Spirit will receive from me and he will make it known to you. So when you sit down with your Bible and you start to pray and say, Jesus, I, I, I really need to hear from you today, the Holy Spirit will start working and he'll start saying, Jesus, you got something to say to Mark? And he'll start speaking to you. And when you say, I don't like that one. I think I want to rip that one out of the Bible. The Holy Spirit will say, he's not listening to you, Jesus. He's not listening to you, Jesus. He's hardening his heart. What do we do? And they'll make a plan. Anyway, the Holy Spirit also comforts you. So the word advocate, the word helper, the word comfort are different expressions for the word parakletos, which is the word for the Holy Spirit. The word parakletos, para is in the Greek, it's to come alongside. The word kletos is to help up. So the helper, the Holy Spirit in the Greek, the parakletos, he comes alongside to help you. Okay, so we want the parakletos. I'd say, I've got to lift this chair. Can you help me, please? Can you come alongside? Can we lift this together? So Phil now is acting as a paracletus. He's coming alongside to assist. Thank you, Phil. Now listen, what on earth made you think that in your life that you had to live alone and do things all by yourself? I just have to do this myself. I have to do this myself. I have to try myself. Listen, you were never meant to do this yourself. Relationship with Jesus was meant to be a union with him that he would come alongside and he would help you lift the weight of life. 
He would help you go through the difficult situations of life. He would help you the emotional stresses that happen in life. He would help the pain in life. He would help your financial situation. You were never, ever meant to be alone. This was always meant to be a union between you and God. When you decided to live alone and not include Jesus, you excluded God from your walk. You just got a religious thing happening. You didn't get what Jesus planned for you. This was never meant to be you alone doing it the right way. I've got to get God's approval. I'll just do it my own way to get them pleased. He's, no, he doesn't want you. He says he wants to come along. He wants to comfort you. He is the great comforter. The one who comes along to comfort us. You know, when you're getting down, you can look for comfort from a friend and that's fine. But sometimes those friends cannot be there. You know when it's dark in the middle of the night and you wake up and your heart is really sad, you had a bad dream, you, you're sleeping in a bed by yourself and your heart goes over all the things that could have been that didn't, didn't come through, all your heart goes over and your mind goes over all the things that you regret you did and you start feeling the deep sorrow in your heart of all the horrible things that your life has turned out to be and how the pain and how everybody else has got it better and you've got it so bad. You know the one I'm talking about? You know that place when you're there by yourself laying on the bed at night time and the heavy weight of loneliness and sadness and depression starts to sit on you? You know that place? Let me tell you. You are not alone. At that place, you might feel like you're alone, but if you say the name of Jesus, if you lift your heart and say, Jesus, I know you're here. I know that you're here by faith. I know that you're here and you're here to help me. And you're here by your Holy Spirit to breathe into me. And I'm just going to talk to you now. I'm going to lift my cares before you. I'm going to cast my cares on you. You will be comforted because he is faithful. He is there. If you don't do that, you don't receive the comfort. If you do that, if you recognize his presence, if you recognize he's there to help you, the help will be there for you because he is the comforter. He is faithful. He also convicts. That's part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He convicts you of sin. You know, before you could get saved, you had to get a conviction that you were lost. You had to have this awareness that you're in the wrong place. Some people push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. They, they hear God's Holy Spirit and they just push that away until they get to this place where they don't feel anything bad anymore. You're in a dangerous place if you keep on doing that. When the Holy Spirit speaks to your conscience and he makes you feel bad about something you'll be doing and he comes to you and speaks to your conscience again and makes you feel bad about something you do, he maybe speaks to your conscience again and speaks to your conscience again and you keep on going nah, down, down, down. You get in a really dangerous place because if you don't feel conviction anymore, you're not savable anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't be saved because you've blocked out the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and brings salvation to you. He is the one that brings conviction of sin. He's the one who says, this is wrong and this is right. The Holy Spirit is the one that tells you what's wrong and right. You tell him to shut up, I don't want to hear that anymore. And then you just get blank silence. You'll do wrong and you won't feel like it's wrong. You say, why is it wrong? Why is it wrong? Everybody does it. Why is it wrong? You get into a very dangerous place when you get there. When you get there, you're writing the rules. You're writing the rights and the wrongs. You're writing them down. I'll think this is right and this is right. And God is just saying, you know what, and I'll be quiet. 
And if you were to die in that state, you would find out too late who's in charge. And that wouldn't be fine. That would be ugly. So he's the one who convicts you. He searches all things. The Bible says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for us, for God's people, in accordance with the will of God. You know, God knows what's going on in all of our minds. He knows what's happening in Eugene's mind. He knows what's happening in my mind. He knows what's happening in Shandell's mind. He knows what's happening in all of our minds. He searches it. He searches the hearts. So he's able to understand exactly what's going on. He knows things that, about you that you can't even say or put into words. You know you feel certain things and you feel frustrated, but he knows why you're feeling those things. He knows why you're feeling frustrated. He knows the answer to all of those ugly questions. And he's living in you. And when you are there in that state, the Holy Spirit, he's talking to God. You might just feel this weight of pressure inside like a heaviness on side. But you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's searching out what's inside of you and he's searching out what's in God and saying, you know, God, touch Mark here. Minister to him here. And that's going on, and I don't even know it's going on. That's going on, and God is in, in the process of saving me and interceding for me because I'm not even aware of it. He's doing it. I can get a heaviness of spirit, and I just groan oh, like that. And it's, it is God just going, I'm with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sort it out. Don't worry. Just trust me. I'm going to fix it up for you. Hey, wouldn't that be great? If somebody was going to fix it up for us. If they were going to fix it up for us. All the problems that we face, Danny, in life, all the difficulties that press in on our lives, all the confusion that's there, if somebody's on our case to fix it up for us, wouldn't that be great? Well, that's the truth. The Holy Spirit is there to fix it up. And he will, if we keep on yielding to him, we keep on listening to him, we, we say, I'm putting my ear to listen to you. I'm putting my ear to listen to your word. He will help us fix it up. Because he knows. Amen? Do you hear him? Does he persuade you? Are you listening to him? Are you obeying him? The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. He's a person who's communicating to you. The Bible tells us, however is written, no eye has seen nor ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things, and, sorry, however, let me start again, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no eye has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the things of God. So what he's saying there is, is you can't even imagine what God has got planned. The party that he's going to throw for you is going to blow your mind. If we were to bang and we're all in heaven now, just imagine in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus can come and he can snatch us away and we can all be with Jesus right now. Some of us will go, some of us will stay. Some of you will be here and there'll be piles of clothes around the place, if you believe that. I believe that. We'll deal with that another day. Listen to me. Within a twinkling of an eye, you're standing before God. You won't remember this day. You will not remember the pain of your life. 
you will not remember the brokenheartedness. All the tears will be wiped away. All the suffering will be gone. You know, the only thing that you'll remember is his face. When you see him face to face. And he will take away every anxiety and every pain. and every... You have no idea what God has prepared for you. It is so good, you can't even conceive it. And guess what? If you just spend some time with him, he'll tell you about it. He'll let you know. And you'll get this confidence inside. You'll get this faith inside. You'll get this hope inside that just starts to flow. And they'll be like, oh, you know what? I want to go to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus because I know what's coming is good. And this hope will, will, will be surging within you. And the hope that is born in our heart is, 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 is born out by the Holy Spirit. Letting you know it's going to be fine. He's wise, the Bible tells us. He's incredibly wise. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of, the, of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's intelligent and wise. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, this is the spirit that sat on Jesus to minister through the life of Jesus. This is the same spirit who sits in our lives and ministers through our lives. He is the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is on Jesus and then on our lives as well. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. This is God's spirit who lives within us. Are you listening to him? Are you persuaded by him? Are you responding to him? Are you obeying him? The Bible tells us that he sanctifies us. What's the word sanctify mean? It means to set us apart. So he's set apart from this world and we made you to be set apart for God. He sanctifies. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2.25 says here, But we ought always to give thanks to, for you, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. So the Holy Spirit is the one who does the sanctifying. That means that when we get gift of faith given to us, and the Bible says every man has been given a gift of faith, that the gift of faith, the ability to believe, comes through the Holy Spirit. So you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to believe in Jesus. He gives you a measure of faith. That's the Holy Spirit who does that. He sanctifies. He does that process. The working of sanctification is the Holy Spirit convicting that you're a sinner, the Holy Spirit letting you know that there's judgment coming, the Holy Spirit letting you know that there's a place that you're going to go if you don't go to, to Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit saying, here's the faith to believe in God. Here's the faith to repent. He's the one. He's the one who you've been dealing with. He gives you repentance. It's a gift. You must gently uh, um, respond to the opponent's that God will grant them repentance. So the gift is coming through the Holy Spirit of repentance. What's the ability to repent? It's like, okay, you're heading in this path and you're going this way and you're stubbornly going in the wrong direction. He's spoken to you. He's spoken to you numbers of times and said, change. You need to turn your heart around. He said, no. And he comes and speaks to you again. Change. You need to turn your heart around. No. And he speaks to you again. Change. 
You need to turn your heart around. No. And he speaks to you again. Change. You need to, you're getting quieter. Because the further you go, the harder you get, the less you'll hear him. So if you're here today and you're listening to him and you're in a hard place, listen to me. He gives you the ability to turn around and head back toward him. But you've got to listen to him. You've got to be persuaded by him. You've got to care what he is saying and you've got to recognize he's telling you the truth. You've got to stop the direction that you're going and start heading in another direction. And the ability to turn around is given to you by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives you that ability. So he gives you faith and he gives you repentance. And then when you turn around, he clothes you with the gift of righteousness. It says, God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, that's what he gives you. So he gives you righteousness. He gives you repentance. He gives you faith. He gives you righteousness. He convicts you of your sin. This is the Holy Spirit. That's his work of sanctification. He's doing it all. Once you've turned to him, he then baptizes you into the church. He joins you to the church. You become a member of the body of Christ. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so we form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. We are together put into the church through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told the, them in the book of Acts, um, chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, on one occasion while they were eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father, so that we know that he's talking about the gift, the Holy Spirit, the person who is the giver of gifts. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with, and the word with in the, um, in the Hebrew is the word in, oh, sorry, in the Greek is the word in, and it means with or by or in. So, Depending on what you put there makes it understandable. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, or you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I think that when it talks about baptism, it's talking about baptism into the church by the person of the Holy Spirit rather than being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The term baptized in the Holy Spirit is only occurring in the front of the book of Acts at the beginning of the church. Every time after that, it's called being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is consistent with being baptized into the church by the Holy Spirit and then being filled with the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the two different things. The two different things. Okay? So this presence of the person promised by the Holy Spirit is part of his ministry. You see, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. So if you go and buy a bag of uh, chicken food, sometimes I go and buy bags of chicken food for... What they generally do in the old days is they'd get a big bag of chicken food there and they'd sew it all up like with a sack. And then as um, I'd say, oh, I'll pay for that, but I can't come, I'll have to go and get a donkey and, and come and pick it up later. You couldn't take it with you, it's too big to carry. So what they'd do is they'd, they'd take the sack and they'd pour wet um, or hot um, wax on it 
and they'd take your signet ring and they'd press your signet ring into it. So there was a mark on the sack. And that was the seal. That was the seal that that sack belonged to you. You'd go away. Then you'd come back with your donkey and you'd say, can I have my chicken food? And they'd look around and they'd say, look at this. Oh, there it is. This is the one. It's got your seal on it. So that's the picture. So when you get born again, the Holy Spirit does the whole lot to try and get you saved. Jesus died on the cross. The communication of all of that truth comes to you by the Holy Spirit. When you respond to him and say, I want to follow you, then he says, I'm going to seal you. And he puts his seal on it. And his seal is his presence. He comes and lives with you. It's like, there it is. There's the Holy Spirit. He sealed my life now. Look, the Holy Spirit's here. I belong to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is here. I belong to Jesus. He's the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and his glory. That means he, he becomes the deposit paid down for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the idea is, uh, continually said, God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So if you don't have the Spirit of Jesus inside of you at the point of salvation, you don't belong to Jesus. That doesn't mean that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and can speak in tongues and have gifts, but it means the Holy Spirit has sealed you. You belong to him. There's a difference between having all the manifestations of the gifts in your lives and having the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. God's Holy Spirit can be there and he can speak to you and he can guide you and you might not have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He might want you to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he might want you to be filled, but you know he's with you and he's there, but you are not fully listening to him and you're not fully exposed to his, his power. You're not fully giving in to him. You're just partially but you're sealed. You understand the difference? He wants you to be full of the Holy Spirit. In the, in, in, he's the one who communicates to us that we are children of God. So when he comes into our lives and he lives there, even though you're not listening to him completely and you're not persuaded by him completely and you're not obeying him completely, he is still there, he's still speaking to you. He's there by his power, he's there by his presence, he's there, he, your life is sealed, you're safe in Jesus, but you've still got a lot of way, long way to grow. He's there. And he's the one, he's the one who tells you, lets you know that you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. He says, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So it's the Holy Spirit that lets you know. So I've asked Sifa, are you saved? Are you going to... And if she says, I don't know, I don't feel anything, then I'd ask to ask the question, is she really saved? Because she would feel something about that. If I asked you, are you saved, Phil? How do you know you are? You just do because it's inside here. It's like the seal, it's like the promise. You know that you're saved because Jesus communicated. We have a little voice in the cry that says, Dad, Dad. We call out, Father. The Holy Spirit enables us to do that. He's the one who brings us into relationship. And this, this blessing is for all people, not just for one or two at the first day in Pentecost. It says... For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, 
We're kind of far off. That was 2,000 years ago. Far off. And many who will call upon the name of the Lord. So what we've got there is that Jesus says, you know, this is always going to be available for us. So do you hear his voice? Are you responding to him? Are you persuaded by him? Are you obeying him? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine wherein there is excess, which leads to debauchery, says. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, the word filled is an interesting word. It made me think that, you know, that we are a vessel. And people have done this in the past, telling us that the Holy Spirit is going to fill us up like liquid fills a vessel. Well, the Holy Spirit is not liquid. What is the Holy Spirit? A person. So you can't pour a person into a jug. It's a pitcher. So the word for fill in the Greek is the word palero. Everybody say palero. It doesn't, make, it doesn't matter, but that's the word, palero. But its first meaning is intoxicated. Intoxicated. That's in a literal sense. So if you drink wine and you drink too much wine, you're going to get paleroed. You're going to get smashed. Palero means you're now intoxicated. So you can't walk straight because you're drunk. You are under the influence of, you are being persuaded by, you are being influenced by the alcohol which is controlling your body. So some have thought the Holy Spirit comes on you. We are not drunk as you suppose because he said that that they were walking around like this because it's the Holy Spirit who's making them walk crazy. But the Holy Spirit doesn't make you walk crazy. He's a person who influences you, who speaks to you, who guides you, who gives you gifts. You might not understand the gift. The gift may be outside of what you can understand as being real, but that gift doesn't mean that you are intoxicated because you can't get intoxicated by a person. You can only get influenced. The same word, palero, is used to describe somebody who's got so much grief upon their life. You know when something really, really bad happens to you and you get really shocked and you, and, and you just start to cry and somebody comes in and says, what's wrong? And you go, <laughs> and you can't control yourself if the grief is just taken over. Have you ever been there where the grief it's taken up. What about when the anger just gets you? Oh, you're so angry. <laughs> Both of those are the word palero. Anger so filled him that he was out of control. It was influencing him. Grief so filled her so that she couldn't contain herself. It was just controlling her whole being. Palero. It's the same word. 
So when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He's filling your life, He's filled your life, it's like the Holy Spirit says, come on, 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 come on. And then He said, come on, 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 come on. And it's like you cannot do anything but come on because the Holy Spirit is persuading you. He's controlling you. He's calling you. You hear His voice. You're responding to Him. Sit down, sit down, sit down. You don't get drunk. You don't get filled up to overflowing with substance. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're in tune with God and you're listening to God. You're persuaded by God and you're obeying God. That makes a huge difference in what you do, your behavior. So if you're sitting there and you're saying, oh, yeah, Jesus, I just love you so much. And he says, I want you to speak in tongues. You'd just be saying, oh, all right, I'll just do that then. And you'd give a message in tongues like we got last week. Why? Because you're getting listening. You're being persuaded. You're full. And you don't just get full once. It just doesn't happen once. Be, being filled is the Greek intense. Like continuously. So you sit there and you get filled and you get filled again. And tomorrow I wake up in the morning, Lord, I just want to be under your control. I just want to be led by your spirit. I just want to be listening to you. I just want to be obeying you. I want to be persuaded by you. I want to be taught by you. God, here I am today. Fill me again. Be part of my life again. Take me again. Take me where you want me to be. Empower me. Do what you I just want to walk with you, Holy Spirit. Every day, filling up with Jesus. It gives us power to witness. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that power demonstrated itself with great boldness. You know, remember the, the, the disciples before Jesus died, is taken away? How many people stayed with Jesus? One. Who was that? John. What did the others do? They all run away. All run away. They're all frightened. They had received the Holy Spirit because Jesus had been with them and he said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they'd all been in the room, except for Thomas, I think. They'd all been there and they received the Holy Spirit. So had, they had the Holy Spirit with them, but they had no power. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. When did the filling take place? Acts chapter 2, when they received power, the Holy Spirit baptized them, started the church, and then he filled them with his power. So what was the difference then? They started to do things that were really amazing and they, they weren't fearful of it. They weren't scared of anything. They started to speak in languages they'd never learned. They started to praise God at the top of their voice and a whole crowd gathered around and said, what is going on here? There was something crazy going on there. They said, that, he said this is what was promised. The Holy Spirit is now controlling us. And Peter stood up with great boldness and they preached a very strong sermon. Repent. You crucified Jesus. Now flee from this generation and turn to God. Very strong message. Wasn't at all scared. Full of boldness. So, that, so bold they were willing to die for their faith. So bold it didn't matter. Should we obey God or should we obey man? They changed something. God, where, where did that power come from? The Holy Spirit. Listening being persuaded by, following, 
the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit, gave them boldness. And they were witnesses through the whole earth. And that's why you're here today. That's why you heard about the gospel of Jesus, because somebody was bold enough to tell you about it. And they were told by somebody else. And you got to hear about it today because of the boldness of the Holy Spirit back then. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May we be part of the solution, not part of the problem, eh? Let's the boldness of Jesus, the boldness of the Holy Spirit carry us on to make the generations, if, if we've got more generations after this generation, come to know Jesus. Amen? May Claudia be a mouthpiece to those girls that she meets at school. May she be strong in her mind and influenced by the Holy Spirit and, and confident that God will take her and use her. Amen? Let's do it. And not only that, then he, he comes to the church and he says, you know what, I want my power to be evident in the church. And so he makes manifest the gifts in the church. And there are nine gifts that he makes manifest, and you can read about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But this is what he says about it. In verse 4 he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So the Holy Spirit's looking around. He says, I'll give you this gift of, of tongues. I'll give you this gift of prophecy. I'll give you that gift of healing. I'll give you that gift of such and such. He's, he's giving the gifts out, giving the gifts up. The Holy Spirit's the one who's doing that. You've got to seek him. You've got to get, he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. He says, so if you come to church, just say, I wonder what's happened to that. You probably won't get much out of it. But if you, on your face, say, look, Jesus, I really want to have a prophetic word. I really, and all week you're asking God for a word for the church. Like Cheryl, give me something, give me something. Give me something. I want, to, I want a prime minister. I want a word of knowledge of something's going on. So she stands up and she says, now, there's somebody here who's got this deep pain on the inside and this agony of heart. Where did she get that from? She sought God for a word so that she could speak God's word into a congregation. And when did that take place? Well, it didn't take place this morning. It took place before she got here. She thought about it, and God said, you're seeking earnestly, and I'm going to give you something. You know, you expect God to sneak up to you on Sunday and say, here, here it is. Why don't you prepare yourself for Sunday? God is more desirous for you to have a contribution in the service than you are. He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and I'll give them to you. Seek them out, and I'll give them to you. You know, you don't spend enough time seeking them out. That's why you don't have them. If you did, you wouldn't recognize the place. On Sunday, it would just go bing, bing, bing. It would be somebody standing up here. You know, we've seen this happen in this church at different times where somebody said they have a word and then somebody says, you know, I have this word. And it's like bang, bang, bang. And then the preacher stands up and he preaches it. It's just bang, bang, bang. It's just like that. Yeah, wow. God is in this place. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to know. God is in this place. A prophetic utterance when you all come together and maybe somebody strange is here and somebody stands up and says, God knows what you're doing. And I've seen this in the church. God knows what you're doing. He's told you four times to stop it. The first time he told you to stop it, you disregard it. The second time, he says, this is the fourth time he's spoken to you. You've got to stop what you're doing. That happened in a small congregation I was at. And somebody gave that word. We were seeking for and And I'm sitting there thinking, well, there's 25 people in the church. Somebody in the church has been told four times to stop what they're doing. There's 25 people in the church. Who is it, God? Then God told me who it was. Now, I didn't know anything. The person who prophesied didn't know anything. You know, God knew it all, and God brought it out to the top. He brought it out from the hidden, and he put it up there, and he, 
a tongues and an interpretation, a prophecy, it's all out there, and, a, and then a, a word of knowledge, I knew who it was. I rang that person up later. Uh, just wanted to talk to you about, you know that funny word that came in church on Sunday? Oh, yeah. So just got this thought that that was you, that God was speaking to you. Tears. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tell me about it. So she told me all the story about it. But why would God do that? Why would God do that? He loves us. He loves us. And he wants to be evident among us. He wants you to see that it's him who's here. You're not just sitting here having church time, drop your money in the bowl or whatever you do, and, and let's go home. We've done our Hail Mary, Mother of God, full of grace and truth. Let's go and sin like the world and then come back for next week. You know? No, you're in a walk with Jesus. You're in a dynamic call to church. It's a growing thing, and you're actively involved with him, reaching the lost. Amen. Amen. Oh, mate, excited about that. He says, the manifestations of the Spirit are given for common good. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So you get on your face and ask Jesus, hey, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you, by you and nobody else but you. Lord Jesus, use me. <laughs> hey, Emmett, are you feeling like you're dry here? Listen. The Holy Spirit is the refreshment that comes to you to freshen your lives up. If you are parched and thirsty in your spirit, you need to fill up with his influence in your life. You need to stop what you're doing. Turn that stupid TV off and spend some time in his word. Soak yourself with it. And then ask a really profound question. Holy Spirit, is there something that you want me to do? And then wait to hear from him because he will speak to you. He will put his fingers straight on you because he is more keen for you to be alive than you are even to be alive. He is more keen for you to be successful in the, in the things of God than you are even keen to be successful in the things of God. He is more desirous to use you than you are even to be used of God. So, he's, look, he's ringing Eugene right now on his phone, letting him know that he's got something for him. Go outside, get that from Jesus. He'll fix you up. So where you see him, you're going to see gifts happening in the church. In Cornelius' house, Peter goes into a Gentile's house and he starts preaching the gospel. They want to know about uh, the jesus he preaches to them as they're preaching cornelius people who are gentiles start to speak in tongues and to and to magnify god he's oh what's happening here what was that that was an evidence that was it the holy spirit has just come and he's just rested in their life why he's just given them some gifts those are the gifts similar to the gifts that we received at, at the day of pentecost well you know why can't well we should just baptize them because we know that god's accepted them because he's living inside them now he's just given them a gift amazing so where you see the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you'll see the ministry of the gifts. Paul, he, he confronts Jesus on the road to, to where he's going and, and he, he loses his eyesight, so he's blind now. 
he's blind and he's led away and he's put in this little place. And, and a guy called Ananias, he's told to go to him and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is Paul's baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you like to call it, baptism into the church and infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not told that he spoke in tongues. What are we told is happening here? He said, immediately. So he's just prayed and he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. So what happened? The Holy Spirit gives, gives as he wills. Ananias comes to Paul, blind now, he's Paul, he's blind. He says, the Holy, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into Paul's life right at that point of time because that's when he received the Holy Spirit. And immediately he spoke in tongues and prophesied. No, he didn't. What was the gift that was given? Sight. Immediately scales from, fell from his He got a gift of healing. The first thing he got was a gift of healing. He didn't get a gift of tongues. He got a gift of healing. Why? Because God gives as he wills, as he determines. We can get so busy putting a formula down for the way it's got to be, and you haven't got it until you start speaking it. Listen, it's not about it. It's about the Holy Spirit. He can do whatever he wants. And he can give you a gift of prophecy or he can give you a gift of, of uh, singing and whatever he wants. He can do that. He's God. So you might not get tongues when you ask for it. You might start prophesying. Don't get upset about that. He can do what he wants. He might give you such a baptism of love so that you sense God's love so incredibly that it brings you to knee, your knees and you're just overcome by his sense of grace toward you. And later on, he might give you something out of gift. But you know, the gifts, they're not him. He's calling again. Have you got, have you got that gift yet? Better go and find out what that gift is. He's got another one. So you can get more than one, hey? You can get more than one gift. You can get the gift of tongues and you can get the gift of interpretation. You can get the gift of prophecy. You can get the gift of discernment of spirits. You can get the gift of faith. Whatever you want. You just ask God for it. God is there. The Holy Spirit says, I am willing to give you gifts. But you've got to be willing to get the gifts. Amen? Look, Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? The question is if you're really asking for him. Are you asking him? And when you see the Holy Spirit, you also see the character of the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit, which means he's not going to be liking sin. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So where you see the Holy Spirit, you're going to see a lifestyle or a character that is consistent with God's character. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, it says, and say, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's a walk in holiness. It's a walk in a character that is like Jesus' character. Listen, are you obeying him? Do you hear him? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's interfacing with you right now. Even as I'm speaking to you, he's there. He's speaking to your heart right now. He's speaking to you 
to communicate to you. You might be sitting here saying, oh, I'm a bit tired because I had a lot night last night. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's not governed by your tiredness. In fact, he will speak to you even if you are tired. And he will prompt you to listen to him because he wants to change you, wants to change your life. The question is, are you listening to him? The big question in all of this is, do you hear his voice? He says, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That's the point. The point is, he's speaking, but are you listening? It's not like he is reluctant. He is not reluctant. But you are reluctant. You are hesitant. You are scared. I pray for some people to get filled with the Holy Spirit and they say, I want the gift of tongues. I say, okay, but do you really want to speak in tongues? Yeah, I really want to speak in tongues. Okay, Will you speak in a different language other than the one that you know? What do you mean? Well, switch English off if it's English. Don't speak in English. Use your voice, use your lips, use your tongue because you've got to use those, don't you? You want the keys? Take the keys. Ah, well, wait a minute. For him to get the keys, he had to use what he has. What has he got? His hand. You want the gift of tongues? What's your hand? Tongue. Your lips. So you really want to speak in tongues? Yeah, no, I've been waiting for years and years and years. God's not going to do it for me. I don't think it's mine. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. It's not coming to me. You know why it's not coming to you? You will not use your voice to speak. You know, uh, I won't do that because I'm embarrassed because you might hear me making funny noises out of my mouth. I'm embarrassed. Oh, so your pride of life is more important to you than receiving the gift. Because if you just confidently started to speak in that language, it would be there. But you're worried about what I'm thinking of you because I'm praying for you and you're shameful about it. So, okay, I get that. I understand that. So go away into your room where I am not and Jesus is and then speak in the language he gives you. Open your mind and open your mouth and say, Lord Jesus, I'm really... And then and, and don't speak in English anymore. Just speak in what he gives you and he will give you something. How many people have done that and have received the gift of the tongues? Put your hand up. If that's what you did. Yeah, look around. Keep your hand up. Let them see you. If these people have received the gift of tongues like that, and you have not received the gift of tongues, you need to go and ask them exactly what happened and how they did it. Because one thing I know is that he is not going to take you and rattle you like, now speak, (laughs) out of your control. Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So you will always be able to exercise that gift. So you've got to start exercising it by choice. He will give it to you. It'll be there. And once you got it, you'll start exercising it. And when you're in the lowest points of life and you think that no one can see the plight that you've fallen into and the agony of heart that you find yourself in and the depression that you're down, you are so low, you'll say, you know, I'm so low down here, I'm so broken down here, I think I might speak in tongues. Why? Because it edifies me, it strengthens me. So I'll start to speak in tongues and as I'm speaking in tongues, the Spirit himself will encourage me and I'll stand up again. It's a gift that I can use when I need to use it. It's not out of control. It's not out of control. It's God using me, speaking through me. It's a gift he gives me. 
Yeah, the biggest problem is we're not so keen to be silly. We want everything to be neat. I mean, to keep my face. Sometimes when you've got a... When you've got a Joshua, you, you gave a message in tongues two weeks ago. Run me through what was happening just before you gave a message in tongues. Okay, tell me about your emotions. You're, you're a bit scared? What are, what are some of the thoughts that went through your mind? But you're, yeah, I mean, but you're struggling with something else. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first day I had a um, a prophecy. I'd asked God for prophecy, similar to that. I sat in a church. Uh, uh, it was a youth service, and I clearly in my mind I had words. I don't know where they came from. They were just there. And then the. I just knew that that's what God wanted me to do. You know, that it's like a drawing, isn't it? It's like a nudge. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. So I sat there and I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. And then these words, if you don't, I won't speak through you again. Immediately, I thought, well, that's not me. So I, I was ashamed. I thought, what if it's not right? I was embarrassed. Like, what if they think I'm silly? I was thinking, you know, who did the, they might think that I'm thinking I'm better than I am. All of those things went through my mind, you know? Like, you know, I can't do this. You know, they, they think I'm, I'm trying to be holier than thou. You have never prophesied before. Are you speaking for God now? You know, what do you think you are? Who do you think you are to speak for God? All of, one of his God's really saying, all of those things went through my mind. You know what I did? Just block them out. Okay, this is what the Lord Jesus wants to say to us today. Woo! And I got it off my chest. And I said, well, that was God speaking to me. Oh, that was, I'm so glad you said that. God really spoke to me. Well, I don't know about that. All I know is I just got a nudge to do something really odd. And you know what you've got to do when you get a nudge to do something really odd? You've got to get out of the way and let Jesus do what he wants to do. You know, the Holy Spirit is not meant to be intelligent in terms of what you look like or think intelligent looks like. He does things that are completely out of this world. So when you have a prophecy, you might feel really silly about that, but it may be just the words that need to be said. I, I know that God has spoken to my life and I've used words and it's like I've said, you have said on your bed today, bang, 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 bang. And I've said these words, oh, man. And somebody, how did you know that? It's like you were sitting in the room with me. I used those exact words. I said those exact things. How did you know? I didn't know. Just the Holy Spirit told me. I, just, I was just faithful. And I just listened to him. I did what he wanted me to do. I know we've gone over time, but I want to give you one more. Just to, I used to meet with a guy called um, Don. He was a mate of mine, a minister guy. He's dead now. He's about a couple of years older than me. We used to hang around. Don Burgess was his name. He was the pastor in a little church in Springwood in the Blue Mountains. And I used to pastoring a little church in Lawson in the Blue Mountains. This is a long, long time ago. I was Nathan's age. Because when we were pastoring, and Nathan was Miller's age. And every Friday, I used to meet with Don. We used to get on our face and we used to pray. And all Friday, we'd fast and pray. 
I said, Jesus, speak, speak to us. Now, our congregations were enormous. Mine was about 50 or 60, and his was about the same. <laughs> we're just young guys wanting to, wanting to work with Jesus. And we just believe that, you know, what he said, seek earnestly spiritual gifts, so we'd do that. I'll go down to, I had a church hall, no, uh, sorry, I had a, um, a school, uh, um, uh, community hall that I set up every Sunday, still do it. And he had a church building. He's gone and died and be, he's, got, he's with Jesus now. He's got a better building than I've got at the moment. Every, every Friday we used to sit on our knees like this, put our head in the back of the chairs and start saying, Jesus, speak to us. Speak to us. Oh, best place to do, get a pen and paper. That's what you do. And then these thoughts come to my mind. Maxine is fighting with Edna. Maxine has a very bad headache because she's so angry at Edna. Maxine won't forgive Edna. She'll say, I'd never forgive her for what she did. So I wrote it all down. This is my habit. I'd put it in the front of my Bible like a piece of paper like this. And I'd get up and there would be 20, 30 people in church and I'd stand there and the fear of God would fall upon you. Because here is Edna and Maxine sitting in the church. Now, odds of being right or wrong, give me some odds here. Give me some probabilities. Is it probably they're sitting in church together, looking smiling and stuff like that? Is it a probability that they've had a fight? I don't know. They could have, they may have not. I don't know. They look like, oh, you know what? How about I put it in this side of the Bible? <laughs> oh, I'll preach the sermon and go on things like that. Oh, I'll finish the sermon. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and the Holy Spirit, make, I feel sad inside because I didn't get it. Obviously, I didn't get it. Maxine comes up to me. Can you pray for me, please, Pastor? I said, well, what's wrong? I've got a terrible headache. <laughs> this is a true story. I said, go to the back of my Bible. There's a piece of paper there. Read it. I can give you time and time again. Did Edna talk to you? No, Edna didn't talk to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. That's what I got on Friday. You have to forgive Edna. You have to get rid of this nonsense. You have to go and fix it up with Edna. I prayed for her and asked her, to, and she just, the headache lifted straight away. Now listen to me. You say, this is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's spurious, isn't it? It's spooky. It's paranormal, isn't it? It's like hanging out there. What do you want? You want church in a box? You want God in a box? Or you want to start moving with the Spirit of God? I've done some crazy things in my days. God told me in one of these times, he says, there's somebody in the congregation who's got a tooth, broken tooth. I said, okay, lots of people got broken teeth, God. Be more specific. I want to know which one. I mean, I figure, you know, if God's going to tell you, he can tell you specifically. Don't just come here and say, there's somebody in this room who's got a sore back. Put up your hand if you've got a sore back now. No, seriously, put up your hand if you've got a sore back. Oh, bingo! 
Well, we know the odds, you know, we know the odds. But if I said to you, there's somebody here with a broken tooth. It's the, uh, it's the second one from the back. It's, one in front of, it's the one in front of your, your, um, your wisdom tooth. It broke last Thursday and you're in pain with it now. It's on the right-hand side. Who is that? Nobody here. I know this is 20 people in the room, 20, 30 people in the room. So it was really, really specific. <laughs> and I thought, you're going to look like an idiot, Mark, aren't you? You're going to look like a fool, aren't you? You're going to look like a stupid man. You're going to look like somebody who's spurious. You know, this bloke put his hand up. He says, I was going to just say, nah, breaking teeth. But he says, you were too specific. He said, you said which tooth it was. He says, you told me when it was broken. He says, that's all true. It broke on Thursday. It's the second one and back from the... He said, that's all true. And he said, is God going to heal me? I said, no, he's telling you, go to the dentist. So the, the, look, look, you think that this is all about being the man of power for there. No, this is not about being the man of power for there. This is about learning to listen to the Spirit of God, hearing him and obeying him. The exercise was just as much for him as it was for me. It was, do you really believe God is here? Are you really persuaded by him? Are you really going to follow him? Are you going to ask him? He is willing to do more than you even ask or think through the power that worketh in you. He is here with you. He's a person and he's ready to work. Are you ready to work with him? We create the deadness. We create the deadness because we don't step out in faith. We don't wake ourselves up. We don't listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. Seriously, we create the death ourselves because we don't listen to Him. So it's to say, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Let's pray. So I want you to stand. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, you, think you know that you've been sitting on the edge, but you haven't really sought God. I just want you to stand. I don't, nobody else, but you, you know that God has been speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is saying, stand, because you need to step into this, to seek God more, to ask God, to take, take hold of what the Holy Spirit has for you. I want you to make that commitment of your life. Say, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to stand with you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to step out into you. I'm going to work with you. I want you to stand now. Make that commitment. You can feel him. You, you, you know whether he's convicting you now. You sense his spirit. Don't harden your heart. when you hear. If he's saying to you, move, you better move. Because he wants so much to do something. I want you to come down. If you're standing, I want you to come to the front now. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this easy for you, okay? I don't want to make this easy for you. Because it's not going to be easy. To, to work with Jesus is not going to be easy. It's going to take something that steps you out of where you are. You know, the worst thing in this life is complacency. Lukewarm heart. Lukewarm heartedness. Neither hot nor cold. Jesus is so desirous, he's willing to move upon your life.
to stir you up, to wake you up in the night seasons, to bear upon you, to pour his heart into you, to communicate to you, to persuade you, to take you to a place you've not been before. You've made a step today. You said, okay, I'm stepping out for you, Jesus. He's going to speak to you right about this. So this week, he's going to talk to you. He's going to speak to you and he's going to lay something on your heart that you're going to have to do. It's going to be very clear. It'll be very precise. Something you'll have to give away. Something you'll have to start doing. Something that you have to move into. You need to give you, give you commitment today that you're going to do that. I want you to stand behind me, please. Just raise your hands and point them to these people. I'm going to ask God. I'm going to lay my hand upon these ones individually. And I'm going to ask God to take them and to move them. Stand, please. Stand with me behind. Stretch your hands out to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, 